Why don't you just take a moment in whatever posture you're comfortable with, with hands lifted and hearts lifted, could you just give God glory? If his blood has saved you, if his power's raised you, could you just raise your hands and find a way to worship him for a moment? Just thank him for his goodness today. Oh, hallelujah. You know, today we're, today we're in, in the house of the Lord and we worship today and we sing these songs. And today we're going to take communion because we understand that there's power in the blood of Jesus. We understand that his blood will never lose its power. We understand that there's no sin and there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no devil that can stop the blood of Jesus Christ. And if that's your testimony, give him praise right now. Just thank him for his goodness. If you were here last week, then you, you know this statement to be true. God's doing powerful things in this church. Things like we've never seen before. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the healing of Miss Gwen. And you know what? We're going to keep that story going because that story of Miss Gwen and her healing and the way God touched her, that story encourages those of you that are walking through difficulty to be reminded that his power still raises. His power still raises. And last week, we had a baptism service unlike one I've ever been a part of. And at the end of it, we just had some people that said, you know, that's my story. I want to be in that water. And they came down, and I don't know any other way than to describe it except spontaneously. They just showed up to come get baptized. Now, let me tell you, here's what happens. I shared this with one of our teams earlier. Part of Pentecostal worship is submitting to the spontaneity of the Spirit. We've got great teams in this church. In fact, there's, there's over 100 different volunteers that, 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 that help on Sunday mornings and serve in different capacities from teaching to singing to behind the scenes to tech to all the stuff. And all throughout the week, we've got people that are preparing. And we believe that, that we can hear the voice of the Lord on Tuesday as we're preparing for Sunday, just like we can on Sunday morning. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to go to the upper room and when you get up there, get a five-year plan together and see what you can do to grow the church. He said, go to the upper room and pray and wait for the promise. And so there are times in our church and times in our worship where we just say, okay, Lord, we've got a structure and we've got some things that we think you want to move through, but if you, want to, if you just want to flip the script and do it however you want to do it, we submit to your leading. Amen? Amen. And so last week, we had some people that just said, okay, Lord, I submit to your leading. And so what I want to do today is I want to recognize them because some of you have known, you've known them for a long time. They've been around here for a while. Some of them are brand new. And so I want those that, that were baptized last week spontaneously, I want you to come up so we can give you a certificate. We want you to remember that day. Come on down so that we can see you. That's it, Metro. Celebrate them today. Yeah. Just come line up right here across the front. We're going to give them a certificate today, but here's what I want to tell. Here's what I want to tell you, and here's what I want to tell, really, all of us. This was an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. That's what water baptism is. It's saying I I died to my old self, and I've been raised with Jesus. And so, part of what we do now is we don't just dunk them in the water and give them a towel and send them home. We have a responsibility as a church to help come alongside each of them, whether they're new Christians or they've been around here, whether, whether or not they were here from day one. We have a responsibility as a church to say, we want to come alongside you in the discipleship process. And so what I tell you today is really what I tell all of us. Sunday morning isn't just enough to make it through the Christian life. You need discipleship, you need fellowship, you need to get involved in the different things that are happening. I would encourage you on Wednesday nights, when we do these fun Wednesday nights and we come together and we go bowling or we do that, I would encourage you to be a part of that fellowship so you can build relationships in this body. I would encourage you too. 
And then also this fall, we're gonna start, we've got some, some Wednesday night classes. Every Sunday morning, we've got this brand new thing. We invented it, it's called Sunday School. It's powerful. You can go there and build relationships and learn in the scripture. We have different ministries for you to serve in. And so what I would encourage you to do along with all of us is get involved in the home groups, in the small groups, in the discipleship groups, in Sunday school, in Wednesday night, build relationships. Because Jesus called for us to walk this Christian journey, not alone, but with others. And he's not coming back for a bunch of individual churches. He's coming back for a church. And we want you to be a part of that. We celebrate today Christopher Shirley. We're thankful for you came and got baptized last week, boots and all. And we're so proud of you. Amen. Felicia, we know your story. We know, we know the Lord was dealing with your heart. And uh, we know what Leo said, said there's no way she's going down there and you were the first one. You were a catalyst and I would just encourage you, continue to be a catalyst, continue to be bold in your faith, step out, be bold for Jesus. We celebrate Felicia Suarez today. <laughs> Shelby, we're so proud of you this morning. You and Jacob, you guys have been a part of us for a little while here and, and you're growing in the faith and you're a part of the church, but you know what? We're just so excited for what God's doing in your life. We celebrate, celebrate Shelby Smith today. Tori, you've been around here for a while too and we're thankful for what God's doing in your life with Pastor Aaron and through, through all the Metro student ministry and we're, we're excited to see what God's gonna continue to do. We celebrate Tori Little today. Emma, we're so proud of you and for what God's doing in your life. And we just, I just encourage you to get involved in the different things that are going on here and stay plugged in because discipleship and fellowship are key components to your walk with Jesus. Today, we celebrate Emma Hogue. Lorelai, last week you came down and, and got baptized. And you know, I talked about Felicia being a catalyst. You're a catalyst in your family because shortly after you were baptized, right around the corner, there's dad and he, you know, he, he was already wet from the tears, he was crying. And you know what, God's gonna use you in a, in a great capacity to win people to Jesus. And so today we, we celebrate Lorelai Pate. <laughs> William, we're thankful for you today too. And we know you've known Jesus for a long time and we know that uh, that you've been following him and walking with him and we're thankful for your generous heart and, and for your giving and the way that you just love people. And uh, last week you got in that tank and it, it, it spoke to my heart because you're a dad, you're a leader of your home. And so uh, we celebrate you today and we're thankful. We celebrate William Pate today, baptism. And then we've got Miss Becky, she's kind of quiet. You know, you've been around here a while. Miss Becky said she had been baptized when she was five years old. And uh, she said she just remembered some of it, but she wanted a day to point to. And you know what, I think that that was a day that we can all point to, amen? And so today we celebrate, celebrate Miss Becky Roberson right here. Metro, one more time, let's celebrate the new life that God's bringing us, amen? God's doing great things in this church. And you know what? I think that they're, yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Talk to us briefly. from the Lord and uh, you know this this is something we talk about the spontaneity of the spirit and 
the word that comes to us is a word that says we, we are seen through the blood of Jesus. And I don't know who that's for this morning, but if you would just take a moment and bow your head, close your eyes and say, God, thank you for the blood of Jesus, that he doesn't see our past, he doesn't see our sins. This is what we're gonna talk about some today in the message. And Lord, we just thank you for your spirit and for your word that is sent to us. And God, we just pray today that we would take your word from the scripture, from the spirit, and that you would lodge it deeply in our hearts. Lord, let us understand that you don't hold our sins against us anymore. Lord, just as we remember today in communion that you went to the cross and you died for us. And Lord, today we have new life. We're so thankful that you don't count that against us any longer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that this morning. This is the last week of our One Thing series. This is the last week where we've been walking through, and I don't know about you, but uh, this has been an exciting series for me. Uh, this has been a series where I've been uh, looking at the Scripture through a different light and seeing what, what the Word is teaching us. And we may actually come back to this. The, the Bible says about 12 or 15 different times in the Scripture, it uses that phrase, one thing and so there's some room for us to to come back but through this one thing series uh, we looked at Martha and we looked at the one thing that she lacked and how she was serving God and she was serving Jesus and she had a heart of servanthood but there was more that Jesus was calling her to and then we looked at the rich young ruler and the one thing that he lacked and we looked at at how his possessions owned him and how Jesus was calling him to, to step out and get past the things that he had materially. Then we looked at the blind man. We looked at the blind man and how uh, he didn't know everything about the theology and the scripture and he wasn't sure even about what was going on with Jesus and how to specifically identify him, but he did know this, that he was blind and Jesus healed him. And today we're gonna kinda wrap this series up and we're gonna step kind of out of the Gospels and into some of the teachings of Paul because there's a, there's a verse, there's a passage in Philippians chapter 3. And this passage, I believe, helps us not only conclude this series, but this kind of, this kind of puts a bow on all that we've been talking about. Now, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and it's important that we have some context here. He's not writing them to chastise them, but he's writing them because he's encouraging them. The church at Philippi had supported him financially and they had, they'd come alongside him. He was thanking them. He was encouraging them. And something else you should know, as he writes this letter to the Philippians, he writes it from prison. Paul is writing a letter to encourage someone else while he's in prison. Now think about that for a moment. Our context, our culture doesn't think that way. We think if I'm hurting, if I'm persecuted, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, I'm the one that needs encouragement. But Paul says, I'm not gonna let situations or circumstances stop me from encouraging other people. Can I just, in, can I just encourage you to think that way for a moment? Every one of us have difficulties, every one of us have troubles, every one of us walk through things that are tough in life, but that doesn't exempt us from taking time to encourage other people. So regardless of what your circumstance is, regardless of where you are in life, regardless of how difficult it is for you, be an encourager. You can find somebody else to encourage. Now, Paul's in prison because he's been preaching the message of Jesus. Paul's been talking about who Jesus is, and, 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 and he's writing this church in, in Philippi, and this church is part of a Roman colony. In fact, if you read uh, Acts chapter 16, you'll see where this church really gets started. And the interesting thing about this Roman colony is this. Philippi was a colony that was known for its patriotic nationalism. They had a, a high concentration of military and retired military from the, the Roman government that lived there, and this was kind of a culminating theme in this city. They were strong nationalists. They had a high concentration of allegiance to Caesar. And so when Paul and the church started saying that Jesus is Lord, it conflicted with the message that, that the culture was saying that Caesar was Lord. 
Think about that for a minute. They preached a message that conflicted with the culture. Does your message conflict with culture, or is it just safe? Does your message stir things up a little bit? Does, does the message of your life, does the things that you stand for, do those things cause any sort of tension, or is it just something that's passive and easy and peaceful? You know, the message of Jesus will shake you up. And when you preach Jesus is Lord, that means that there's no other room for anybody or any else, anything else to be Lord. We can't allow other things in our life to be Lord. And we live in a culture and a time that says you can basically worship what you want to worship. But we understand that in spite of what they say, Jesus is Lord. And so this church at Philippi, they had this tremendous pressure externally from their culture, from the government, from the people, because they were going against this nationalism that was happening. Does that sound familiar to us? Now, sometimes the church gets pressure from nationalism. And I want to be real careful here. I need need to go on record. I love America. I'm thankful for this country. I, I realize I probably wouldn't be a Christian if I wasn't born here. And that this nation has had a huge part in, in me having the freedom to know Jesus. But here's the deal. We don't worship America. We worship Jesus. And, and, and our citizenship is in heaven. In fact, Paul writes that in Philippians chapter 2. He says that our citizenship is in heaven. And so as Christians, our allegiance is to Jesus first. We look to Jesus first. And when America gets it right, we celebrate. And when America gets it wrong, then we repent and we try to correct and we stand up for what the Scripture says. Because we live, we breathe, we worship Jesus first. You know, as I was reading through this and and thinking about what was going on, this really reflects where the church is in a lot of different ways. And I have to be careful in my life because I, I find myself waking up early and I watch the news. That means I'm getting old. I like a good cup of coffee, a nice bowl of soup, a warm sweater, and the news. But I watch that news, and, and if you've watched it, you know this. We've got a mess with immigration. We've got a mess going on. And we can't figure it out. We've got, we can't even figure out who should be here, who shouldn't be here. We can't figure out whose fault it is for how they should get in or how they shouldn't get in. Can I just tell you that government leaders are going to do what government leaders do. And they're going to change laws and make laws and make policies. And they're going to do all that stuff that government leaders do. But no matter what they change, here's something they can't change. They can't change the call of Jesus in your life. And if we end up opening up borders and saying, anybody else come in, if they come in and they move in your neighborhood, that doesn't change where Jesus said in Mark, love your neighbor as yourself. And if we end up closing borders and don't let anybody in, that doesn't change what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so here's the deal. If, they show, if people show up here from other countries, we're going to give them Jesus. And if they don't, then we're going to go to them and tell them about Jesus because we have a call as Christians to say we, we love Jesus first. And in spite of what the government does and in spite of what all the politicians say, in spite of what the news channels say, this is our source of information. And we look to this first for our guidance and direction. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Mike, if we could get a soapbox for me. Whenever I want to address these topics, that would be great. So the church at Philippi, they were feeling this because their culture kept saying, Caesar's Lord. But Paul and the church said, no, Jesus is Lord. And there was this external pressure that was pushing down on the church to conform the message, conform the message, make it palatable, make it easy, make it agreeable with the things that the culture says. But not only was there external pressure, there was internal pressure too. Because inside this church at Philippi, there were a group of people who grew up Jewish that had now converted and and now they were Christians. Now let me give you just a brief lesson here. 
Christianity wasn't even called a religion the first couple of hundred years it was around. The Romans didn't even recognize it as a religion. They, were just a, they just saw Christians as a bunch of troublemakers, which might fit. That's a good label for some of you, just troublemakers. And here's what they did. They, they didn't even recognize them, and so when the people would meet together, they didn't know what to call them. And since the people we're talking about here were first-generation Christians, they didn't really have a pattern. See, we come to church, and we do what we do in church in large part because our parents did it this way, and our grandparents did it this way, and their parents did it that way. But they didn't have that to draw from. And so what they did was they said, okay, we grew up Jewish. This is the way we did it growing up, and now we've accepted Jesus as Messiah. But we want to keep some of these Jewish customs and laws which sounds okay until you find somebody that didn't grow up Jewish. And so they would come in and they would accept the message of Jesus and they would get saved by faith through grace and they, they would give their life to Jesus or however you wanna phrase that and they would look back and, and the people that were in the church would say, well, if you're gonna be a Christian now, you have to do it the way we did it. You know, here you are, if you're gonna be a Christian now, well, I grew up this way and so since I grew up that way, this must be the right way. And even though you didn't grow up that way, you've got to come in and start doing things like we used to do them. Can I tell you that that internal pressure exists in the church today too? That's, that's very similar to the things that we face. I mean, we have people that say, well, you know, I, I got the Holy Ghost on Sunday night in the altars. That's how I got baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's how everybody ought to get it. Well, that's great. Praise God for that. But what if God wants to baptize somebody in the Spirit in a home group? What if God wants to move in, in somebody's work Bible study? That, that's a lot more consistent with the way the Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts than anything. The book of Acts, there's, there's, about, 40, uh, there's about 40 miracles in the book of Acts. And did you know that 39 of them took place outside of the synagogue, outside of the church? That's what this thing's about. It's not about us getting inside these walls and getting a holy huddle together so that we can talk about how great we are. No, it's about us going out and reaching people with the message of Jesus. No matter, no matter how abrasive it may be to culture, we say, Jesus, we follow you. And so there's this internal pressure that people feel. You know, I grew up singing the Redback Hymnal. I think that's what we ought to sing all the time. Well, praise God for that. I love Redback Hymnal, but what if, what if God wants to bring some worship through Hillsong? Is that okay? What we have to do is say, God, are we glorifying you first? Or am I, or am I married to some sort of tradition that maybe you want to change? Am I, am, I, am I stuck in something where I'm imposing extra biblical things on new believers that really don't affect their salvation in any way? And so the church at Philippi, they felt this external pressure and they felt this internal pressure and it's very similar to some of the things that we have to walk through as a church as well. And just to clear it up for you, here's where, here's where we're gonna land. We're gonna land on the side of doing things the word way and styles may change and music may change and the approach or the method by which we share the gospel may change. In fact, it has to change. If you were to take me and put me in the children's church today, it would not be effective at all because this message style is not effective in children's church. It's just not. My wife's teaching children's church today, and, and she's, she's not wearing a tie, but the Lord still loves her. We're gonna change methods. We're gonna change the vehicle, but we will not change the message of the gospel. And we're gonna take this message and say, Holy Spirit, breathe creativity in our lives so that we can take this message and share it with people who maybe didn't grow up like I did. So we can share it with people that maybe don't speak the same kind of Christian church language that I do. And it's gonna look different in fact, it's gonna look a lot more like what Pastor Aaron does on Wednesday nights than anything. You know why? Because the message is timeless. The message is always the same, but the way we present it has to change. Did you know that for the first almost 1,000 years in the church, they didn't have any pews or seats? How mad would you be if you came in and we didn't have any seats? 
things changed. The message does not change. And so this church at Philippi was feeling this external pressure and this internal pressure. And this church in America feels this external pressure and this internal pressure. And so Paul is writing to them. He's talking to them about how they deal with that. He's encouraging them to stay the course. He's encouraging them to continue to share the message of Jesus in in spite of oppositional forces. And he talks to them about their status as believers. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read about seven verses. We're going to look at what Paul teaches these Philippians and how he's teaching us. And here's what he's teaching. Our call is to Christ first. Thank you for that, amen. Our call is to Christ first first. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Stop right there for a moment. Rubbish sounds like a British word. I don't use that word a whole lot. When they translate the scripture, this is a very difficult word because if we use the actual word, it would be very offensive to many of you. And so the, the, the fluffiest word we can come up with that doesn't get everybody upset is the word rubbish. Rubbish is a light word for the translation. Garbage, some of your scriptures, your Bibles may say garbage is a light word for this translation. translation. There are Other words that we could use, but that would probably be my last Sunday at Metro. And what Paul is saying is he's saying all of these things I count as rubbish. Now, what things is he talking about? Well, if you read the previous verses in the earlier part of the chapter, Paul starts listing all of these qualifications, all of these certifications, all of these things that would elevate him to a certain status in the community and in the church. And Paul was the greatest of all of them. He, he had more status, he had more accolades, he had more education, he had more than anybody else. And Paul is basically saying, I count all these things as loss, as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, verse nine, and be found in him not having my own faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. These are not comfortable words for us. We want to know Jesus in the blessing. We want to know Jesus in the excitement. I want to know Jesus in the extra zeros in the bank account. I don't want to know the Jesus in the fellowship of suffering, being conformed to his death. And if we don't preach the message that sometimes the Christian life is difficult to walk and that you will have trials and tribulations, if we don't preach that message, then we're watering down the message of what Christianity is all about. And Paul says, not only do I expect that to happen, but I, I want to know Jesus that way. I want to know him. and You can't know him in resurrection unless you've died with him. Things that that are resurrected had to be dead at once. And what that means is your old life, your old self, your old way of doing things has to die. And Paul says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Do you know Jesus that way? Do you know Jesus in a way that says, you know, I, I might be persecuted for him or I might go through difficult times because of his name, but that's what I want to do. He says, his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, everybody say one thing, One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to remember. I saw a commercial on TV the other day where they sell you this pill made out of jellyfish and it's going to make you remember. But if, you, if it doesn't work, how will you know? Yeah. Can't remember if I took my pill or not with the jellyfish. It, it's hard to remember. But you know what else is hard sometimes? It's hard to forget. And it seems to me that the things that I want to remember, the things that I try to remember the most, I end up forgetting. And the things that I want to forget just can't seem to get out of my head. Things that I went through, past experiences, things that brought me to this point. And so Paul is challenging us, and he says, there's one thing I do. He said, I forget those things that are behind me. What he's talking about, he, he's not saying that we should erase all the things that are behind us, but what he's saying is that we don't allow these things to be used by external pressure to water down the message. And we don't allow these things to be used by internal pressure to make it difficult on new believers. What are some things in your life that Paul would be talking about? What are some things that maybe Jesus is calling you to forget? Have you ever tried to forget something? Some of you hire people so you won't forget things. But have you ever tried to forget something? Just put it out of my head, just block it out of my head. I just, I just need to get past that. But for some reason, it keeps resurfacing in your life. And Paul is teaching us that there are things in our lives that we have to forget, that we have to put aside, things that we don't lean on any longer. I brought some things with me today to help illustrate some of these things are. Some of you saw my backpack and you made fun of it. But the Lord still loves you. You know, here's something. You know, one of the things that we have from the past, our accomplishments, things that we've, we've done, you won't find a person that's a bigger proponent of education than, than I am. I think education is great. In fact, in August, we're gonna celebrate education and back to school and we're gonna pray over kids and teachers and all that stuff because it's important. We should study, we should do those things. But some people get so caught up in their education and their certification that that becomes the highlight of their life. And Paul, in Philippians, says that he had more education than anybody that he had a greater understanding, greater training, greater all of this stuff than anybody. But he says, I lay that down and consider it as loss. A lot of people say, yeah, this is who I am. I've got more letters behind my name than in front of my name. But you know what? This cannot be what defines us as the people of God. You know what else? There's more. I brought this today. I'll let the choir see. This is actually my wife's great-grandmother. We don't want to forget her. But it represents something different for us today. Today, this represents the past. Sometimes people get caught up in education, but sometimes people get stuck in the past. The way we used to do things. The way we used to operate you know, it used to work this way. There are some great things that we bring with us from the past, but one of the most haunting questions you'll ever have in your life is this. Was my life better in the past? And can I just tell you, there are people in this room that deal with that and struggle with that. And you get nervous because you think your best days are behind you. But if our identity is found only in the past, then our best days are behind us. But Paul's saying, we don't do that. We don't look to the past. We forget those things that are behind us. We lay them down because we're pressing forward. We take the things that, that our grandfathers and great-grandfathers taught us, and we bring them to our today. And we say, we're going to take those timeless truths, and we're going to live on them, but that's not going to define us. This does not 
define us. And any time we look for our identity in the past, then our best days are behind us. There's other things that, that, that people will use to identify themselves. Look at this. I got these uh, baby dolls from Elliot Hicks. I'm just glad they're dressed appropriately for church. You know, some people are defined by their relationships. Some people, they, they come to Jesus and they immediately want to tell you who they know and how they know them and how long they've known them. And they drop names and they say all these great things, but can I just tell you, your identity in Christ is not attached to a preacher or a past or somebody that you married into their family or somebody that you knew that's now famous. And if it is, then your identity is not found in Christ. But so many people will say, this is going to be who I am. This is, this is what's going to define me as a person, as a believer. That's not the way God designed for us to live. Let's look. I got a couple more things in this bag I want to show you. I also got, got these weights from Elliot's house too. It's really bulking up, isn't he? I'm just kidding. Brought this today because this represents health and fitness. And some people want to put their identity in their physical appearance and the way they look, in their physical health and the things that they do. Man, exercise has exploded in the last 30 years. If you're 50 plus, you understand what I'm talking about. Nobody used to jog, and if they did jog, they had a cigarette in their mouth. It's different now. And it's a great thing. I love exercise, but you know what? This cannot define us as people. We don't put all of our confidence or all of our stock in our physical health because let me tell you, your physical health will deteriorate. There will be a day where you can't do what you used to do. And then what do you have? This cannot define us. You know what else is in here? I got, I got a lot of things. I, got, you know, I brought this because uh, so many people are caught up with, with their image on social media and they post a thousand times a day and they want to tell you what they're having for lunch and, and I'm sitting at a red light and now I'm at the next red light and, and, and it becomes their identity of who they are and so much more so in our culture than any other time. Other things that happen, some people, some people get their identity in money. I'll put this in the offering, don't worry. Some people get their identity in money and they see how much can I accumulate how much do I have? How much can I get in the bank account? Some people, and, and this one is, this one's huge. Some people are identified by their hurt. And they never get past it. And they got hurt 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And somebody said something to them or somebody let them down or somebody led them down the wrong path. And that hurt, they just carried it with them and they carried it with them. And it's become their identity. Oh, you, you're, the, you're the one that got divorced. Yeah. Oh, that, that's the girl that went through the thing. Yeah. Paul's teaching us that these things are not our identity. Now here, listen to this. None of these things are sin. In fact, this whole series we've been talking about, it's not about sin. Martha wasn't sinning. She was serving. And Jesus said there's something more. The rich young ruler, he wasn't sinning. He was owned by his possessions. The blind man, Jesus specifically said, had not sinned. He was hurt. And the reason why we chose this passage and this illustration is because this is what we struggle with sometimes as a church. This is where we have difficulty sometimes because we find our identity in so many different things. And Paul is teaching the church at Philippi, and he's teaching us too, that all of these things, as great as they are, even if it's not sin, that's not where we're found. Our identity is found in the cross of Jesus. Our identity is found in who Jesus is and the new life that he's brought to us. And while we look at these things and we're thankful for these things and God blesses us with these things, we don't hang our hat on any achievements, on any past, on any relationships, on any accumulation. We hang our hat. Our identity is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we place our emphasis or our identity in anything else, it's nothing but rubbish. 
And Paul says, you know what? I was an Israelite. I was a Roman. I was all these different things. But that's just a pile of rubbish. And I forget these things. He's using racing language here. He's using racing language. Now, in Philippi, there was a stadium that would hold 100,000 people. And they'd get together and watch the games, and people would run races. And, and he's using racing language here because the idea is, why would you run a race and concentrate on a stretch of the track that you've already finished, that you've already been passed? And he keeps on and with this racing language. He says, I press forward. This one thing we're doing sounds like three things, but it's really just one thing. It, it's Paul teaching us that we're forgetting. We're actively forgetting and saying, I'm not leaning on that anymore. I'm not looking to that. That was a great thing for me, and the Lord blessed me with that, but that's not who I am. I'm not identified by his blessings. I'm identified by his cross. He said, we're actively forgetting the things, and not only are we doing that, but we're pressing forward. I'm reaching. I'm reaching for those things that are ahead. Don't live your life in the rearview mirror. Don't live your life looking backwards from the race. Don't live your life focused on the things that have already happened, but take the things that God's blessed you with and reach forward and press forward and keep pushing. And that's a message for some of you right now because you're in the middle of a race and it's difficult and you're not sure how it's going to work out. Can I just encourage you? Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop living for Jesus. You might be in prison. You might be hurting. You might be in the hospital. You might be sick. But keep living for Jesus. Don't look back to the things that happened. But go forward for what God has for you. He says, this is what I do. I forget and I press and I reach. Let me ask you this. What are you reaching for today? What are you reaching to attain? You know why this is hard for us to get? You know why this is hard for us to focus on? Because we're not totally convinced that there's something beyond this life. We're not totally convinced that there's more to life than just what we see now. And we have to be reminded there's more, there's more. Keep pressing, keep reaching. This is best illustrated in the life of Jesus. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth and he endured the press, the pressure, the difficulty of the cross. And he did it all with the future in mind, with you in mind. And so here's how I want us to conclude today. We're going to receive communion. Our music team's coming and they're going to lead us. But communion is a time of reflection for us. I want you to reflect in your life and say, God, are there some things in my life that I'm holding on to, that I'm hanging my hat on? Are there some things that I'm building my identity on other than the cross of Jesus? God, am I struggling in this race for the weakness? Am I struggling in this race because I'm tired? Do I need to keep pressing? God, where's my attention? Am I focused? Am I reaching forward for the things that you have for me? In just a moment, the ushers are going to come to your row. And when they do, they're going to dismiss you. And you can exit your row to your right and my left. There's a table in front of each section. You can use both sides of the table and come down and pick up the elements. Return to your seat and we'll all take communion together. If you're here and you have a special dietary need, we have two round tables at the end that have gluten-free wafers that you can partake in communion. And if you're here and you're unable to come forward, that's okay. After everyone's been served, we'll make sure our elders and our ushers are prepared to serve those who couldn't make it down to the table that would like to be served. But as we come today, here's what we're doing. I want you to think in your life, Jesus, where's my identity found? Jesus, let everything else, let everything else fade away and let me see the cross of who you are. Father, we pray for our time together this morning. We ask today that as we come to this table that you would bless these elements. And we pray today, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts. Help us to forget and move past things that would hang us up. And let us look forward to you. In Jesus' name.
slip up your hand so that our ushers and our elders can provide for you today. Is there anyone that hasn't been served? We're so thankful that Jesus came. We're so thankful that he gave his life. The scripture says that on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he blessed it, gave thanks, he broke it. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Would you take the bread? about communion is this we look at what Jesus did on the cross and here in the present we not only remember that but we also know that he's coming back for us we know that his blood that was shed for us will sustain us and it didn't just give us fire insurance because we did some bad things in our life it brought us from death to life after the same manner he took the cup he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood that was poured out for you. Drink all of it 
Would you take the cup? Go ahead and set that in the seat in front of you or set it down somewhere. And in whatever way you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands and would you just thank him today for his goodness? Just thank him that he makes all things new. Just thank him that you're not defined by those things in your past. Just thank him that you're not, you're not conformed to the things that the world says you have to be. Just thank him that your identity isn't found in what you have or what you've done, but it's found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Just thank him for a moment. Father, we thank you today. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we are so grateful today for the work that you did on the cross. And Lord, we look forward to the things that you're going to do. We thank you for the new life that we've experienced. We thank you for the healings that we've experienced. But we know, God, that we're pushing forward because you have greater things. Lord, help us not to get caught up in the things from the past. But Lord, one thing we do, we forget those things and we move forward and press ahead for the prize. High calling of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Everybody says... Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you so much for being here today. I just, I want to tell you this. My prayer for you this week is this. As you go throughout the duties and the things that you're going to accomplish this week, I want you to know this. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by all the things, good, bad, indifferent, the things that were back there. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. You're a new creature in him and through his blood, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. And my prayer for you is this. As you go, as you go, that you would introduce other people to Jesus and they would look at you and know that there's something different because Jesus made a change in your life. Father, go with this group of people today. Go with this family today. As we leave this room, don't let us leave your presence. But God, let us carry that presence with us and let us show a lost and dying world that Jesus loves them and that he can make a change in their life. We're so thankful. Lord, for all that you've done, I pray protection over every person in this room. Lord, protect cars and homes and places of work and recreation and all those things that are happening. And be with us until we can be together again. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.